Do you want to feel strong, confident, and ready to enjoy life? I'm Jen Shaver, a triple certified fitness expert and mother living her best midlife. I want to help you achieve a healthy, active lifestyle without ever having to go to the gym. We grow together every Monday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in to your weekly fit news. This episode of Fit News is sponsored by... Make wellness a priority in your life. Women's bodies face changes and fluctuations in hormones as they go through the cycle of menopause. Strong for Life offers an exercise program to help you invest in your future and health without crazy routines. We deliver the results you deserve from your time and effort. Go to strongforlifefitness.com to learn more. Now back to our show. Hello and welcome to Fit News. I am your host, Jen Shaver, and joining me today is a very special guest, Kim Schlag. Kim is a personal trainer and a nutrition coach who came to fitness later in life. She spent the better part of two decades yo-yo dieting, ending up obese, and utterly confused. In her early 40s, she finally discovered that the secret hack she'd been looking for all those years really wasn't so secret after all. She totally transformed her body and, more importantly, her mind through proper nutrition and strength training. And now Kim helps women all over the world get strong, lose weight, and heal their relationship with food and their bodies through her eight-week coaching program, Fitter After 40. Now, ladies, the doors open just twice a year for this program, and the next opportunity for you to get in on it is Thursday, August 24th. So get your name on the wait list ASAP and grab your spot. The link for that wait list will be in the show notes. Kim, I'm excited to have you join me today. I know we are going to chat today about five questions that you get asked the most, and I'm sure you get a lot, but these are the top five. Before we get to those top five questions, let's chat just a bit about your journey, your story, because, you know, in the bio, I know we mentioned two decades of yo-yo dieting, right? That's a long time. That's a lot to go through. Yeah. And and thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here and chatting with you. Yeah, it is a long time, but I will say, I don't know that I'm like odd woman out here. Well, that's just it. Right. Right. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that most of my audience relates in some way, you know, to that. Yeah. Especially women of, you know, our generation, I'm 52, almost 53. Mm -hmm. Um, And realistically, I probably first started dieting early 20, late, late, late teens, late teens is when I kind of first started thinking about it, Mm -hmm. um, early twenties. And I have to tell you, I was not overweight. Like looking back, I did not need to lose fat. Right. What I, I was very into fashion magazines. Like that was my thing. Bought all the fashion magazines, scoured over those. And I would be like, I don't look like those women. Like, how do I look like those women? First of all, I was super short, you know, and I had a butt <laughs> and way before butts were in, like butts were not in in the 80s and 90s. Everybody. Well, that's like, right. Right. It was a stick. Was not, you you right? needed to look like a stick figure, exactly. basically. Yeah. And so yeah. I was not going to look like those women. Mm-hmm. But if I had wanted to improve my physique, what somebody, what I could have benefited from is somebody saying like, hey, you could go to the gym and lift some weights and you're probably going to really like the effect. But I didn't know that. I thought what I needed was to lose five pounds. Right. And so that's how I always thought it was five pounds. And I thought it was five mm-hmm. pounds 
in my late teens. And I thought it was five pounds in my early twenties and in my late twenties. And it wasn't until I started having babies at age 30 that I really started gaining an incredible amount of weight. I gained 50 pounds with my first pregnancy at age 30. Yeah. Lost some of it, but not most of it. Right. Uh, You know, not even half of it did I lose. Got pregnant again. Yeah. Gained another 50 pounds, lost some of it. A few years later, when I was 35, got pregnant for the last time, gained another 50 pounds. Yeah. Lost some of it. And so by the time I was in my mid to late 30s, I was struggling with obesity Mm -hmm. and had zero better information than I did back in my 20s about how to lose. Well, because when you go to the grocery store and you look at the magazine cover, you know, it's slash your calories and do endless hours of cardio, right? Or even worse, it was things like, you know, eat two eggs in a slice. It was like some weird, like in the back of the magazines, it would be like a specific diet. It would always be something very strange. And I tried them all like, you know, this food combination diet or cut out yeah. all the sugar. And I, so I would follow those magazines and back of diets. I, mm-hmm. back of my, I would follow the diets in the back of the magazines. I couldn't keep up with them because nobody who wants to eat like that. Right. I would buy diet books or actually more realistic. I would t- check them out of the library. I was a big library girl. I would take book after book from doctors. I was really into like the whole doctor thing. Cause I'm like, well, it's a doctor. Right. I have to know. She knows, right. <laughs> And so I would buy doctor diet book after doctor diet book, bring it home from uh, the library and be like, this must be it. Like, this is the secret. Yeah. And sometimes it would work. And I'm going to put work in quotes here mm-hmm. as in I would lose some weight. I would never lose even most of that weight, but I would lose some, yeah. but I would always gain it back usually plus some. It wasn't sustainable. And I didn't want to eat that way. I had the best success um, with Nutrisystem. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember what Nutrisystem oh, is. Oh, yeah. They're still around. Um, I, I think so. Uh, What's her name? The the Donnie and Marie Osmond. <laughs> oh, is this Marie Osmond? Okay. I knew she did. She she hawked something. I did not realize that's what it was. Um, so I did have some success with Nutrisystem. Lost a lot of weight. So by the time I was almost forty, like I had lost, like I was not obese anymore for right. a time. Well, I lost a lot of weight with with Nutrisystem over the course of six months. But here's what happened: I got to the end of six months. I lost like 30, 40 pounds, get to the end of it. And one day I woke up and unfortunately I had just spent like $350 on a new box of food. I went to open my cupboard and I realized like the idea of eating one more box of that food because it all had this like similar kind of taste and it was fine. Like I liked it fine until the day I woke up and I was like, I I can't do it. Like I cannot eat one more box of this food, but I was just like, it's okay. Like I've been really successful. I'm just going to take what I've learned and I'm going to apply that. Like I'll just do my own cooking. And it was like not 48 hours later. And I was like sobbing because all of a sudden what I realized is I had learned zero. I didn't know. They didn't teach me anything. Like all I knew was open my cupboard, grab one of the red boxes I got that day and eat it. What did that teach me? Nothing. So it's no shock that less than six months later, I was 25 pounds back up. Mm -hmm. Right. And no closer to my understanding of nutrition. Right. But don't you think that that's how it is for the majority of people? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's no education in what they're doing. It's just here, follow this plan. Yes. It's just just this rigid plan that does not allow for life to actually happen. <laughs> it's just it's a serious flaw. Um yeah. education. When a person yeah. loses weight and they don't have the education piece to understand why did that just work, that's a serious flaw. Because right. then they're never going to be able to repeat it. And look, everyone wants to be like, well, this will be my last time. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Like a few years ago during um, 
COVID, I got long, long haul COVID. I was on bed rest for three months. Wow. I I gained 20 pounds. Like I had to lose it, which I did, but I know how to do that. Like I know how to do that. So I would have never in a million years guessed that I would have gained 20 pounds back. Right. I didn't predict I was going to get an illness. So even though we think like, oh, this will be our last time. I don't need to know. I can learn later after I lose this weight. It's not a good plan. You want to lose weight in a way that's educating you to understand your food and your body. Right. Right. And understand maybe what's driving you to turn to food. Absolutely. Ignoring the emotional component. People can say all they want, like food is fuel, but it's not just fuel, right? Right. And until we can understand our emotions around food, we're going to really struggle to lose weight and to have a positive relationship with food, with our body, with exercise, really understanding that emotion we have. Mm -hmm. Why do we stress eat? What can we do instead? Um, Why do we feel like we have to uh, clean our plate at dinner? Like what's driving that? Where did that come from? (laughs) Oh, I know. know, (laughs) 1980s called, right? (laughs) Want their clean plate club back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Let's talk about then about the top five questions that you get asked by women. Yeah. I'm sure that many women out there have these same five questions. So how about the, I've tried everything. Why am I not losing weight? Is it my age? Is it my hormones? What is it? (laughs) I have a lot of compassion for this. I do because I've been there Mm -hmm. um, and it's very common. So if you're a woman out there saying this, like know that you're not the only one, there's nothing wrong with you and you are not broken. The reality is that weight loss is harder to do in practice than it's made out to be right? Everyone's always like this one easy trick. There's no easy trick. So it's harder to actually do. Mm -hmm. And it's way easier to understand conceptually than it's made out to be. People make it seem mysterious and it's not. What it is, is hard to do in practice. Now, as we age and we're in midlife, there are some confounding factors. So let's talk about two things that everyone thinks is like the reason they aren't losing weight once they hit 40. (laughs) One is hormones, right? So menopause, menopause and perimenopause. This is a time when a lot of women struggle with their weight. And it's important to know that menopause doesn't cause weight gain and it doesn't prevent you from losing weight. And there's the mic drop. (laughs) But this isn't to say it doesn't have any impact. There definitely is an impact. And there's, there's two in particular. One is a direct impact and one is like an indirect impact. The direct impact is that the drop in estrogen is associated with a shift in where a woman tends to store her excess fat. And it's going to come as no shock to anyone out there. Where the fat is shifting to is our midsection, right? Mm -hmm. That abdominal region. Yeah. The menopause middle. (laughs) Yes. The menopause middle. When we have excess fat as women in menopause, we tend to store it there in our abdomen. Mm -hmm. And it can feel like it's never going to go away. I promise you it can. But that is, that's not in your mind. Like if all of a sudden you're like, where did this belly fat come from? That is caused by a shift in the storage pattern of your excess fat caused by this drop in estrogen. Mm -hmm. So that's the direct impact. The indirect impact is that the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause can make it really challenging to lose weight. So we're talking about a whole variety of things, but things like low energy, Mm-hmm. lack of sleep, whether that's due to insomnia or to the hot flashes. Um, you know, so you're not sleeping, you're mm-hmm. low on energy. Maybe you're getting heart palpitations now. Maybe you have vertigo. Maybe you have increased allergies. By the way, all the ones I'm all these symptoms I'm listening 
listing are ones that I struggled with personally. Yes. And this list is long. There's oh, dozens yeah. of symptoms. And so each woman is going through this individualized cluster. And for many women, it's a lot to manage. So yeah. is it any surprise when you're not sleeping, um, you're just generally not feeling well, that wow. you're not going to the gym or you're sitting on the couch instead of taking your walk, or you're not actually going to get up and prep your chicken and your salad. You're just going to have a bowl of cereal, right? Is this, is this any shock? Right. So it's not that menopause is causing weight gain, but this cluster of symptoms are additional hurdles that you need to surpass in order to lose weight. So learning how to overcome those hurdles is a big piece to being able to lose weight in menopause. Right. So that's the hormone piece. Yeah. And then the other part is age, right? So there's this misconception that our metabolism slows down as we age. And in fact, until very recently, we're talking two years ago, right. this is just the accepted viewpoint. Like mm-hmm. none of us seem to really be able to say exactly how much we thought our metabolism slowed down. Was it a little, was it a lot? And I could always tell from working like boots on the ground, working with hundreds of women in midlife, help, midlife helping them lose weight. I knew it wasn't a big impact because my clients who were in their forties, their fifties, their sixties were not needing to lose weight on hundreds of calories less than my clients in their 20s and 30s. That was just not what I was seeing. So I was like, well, there's no way it's big, but it turns out that there's not actually a decline in our metabolism. And this was something um, that was a very exciting study that was done in, it was just two years ago now, August of 2021, There was a researcher, his name is Herman Ponser, him and his team, they measured energy expenditure across the lifespan. They used a database of over 6,000 people. These people ranged in age from eight days through 90, it was 90, 95 years Mm -hmm. of age, okay? And then they looked at what was happening with their energy expenditure. And what they found was that from eight days to 20 years of age, their energy expenditure was increasing. And here's where it gets interesting. From age 20 through age 60, energy expenditure remained stable. There was no drop-off or even slight decline at age 40 or 45 or 50 or 55 when all of us are like, yeah, my metabolism is slowing. That was not shown to be there. In fact, there was not even a slowdown until after age 60. And then it was very slight. We're talking 0.7%, not 7%, 0.7% per year after age 60. So that's like a couple of calories. That's not much. Um, And so (laughs) it's important to point out though, that one, there were women included in the study, by the way, this was not just done on men. So women were in here too. And this doesn't mean that you're not experiencing what you're experiencing. I'm not saying like weight loss doesn't feel hard. It does, but you can cross off that it's a slower metabolism due to aging and that it's your hormones. And once you wrap your brain around that, mm-hmm. you can be like, wait, this is actually good news. It is not something out of my control because yep. you can't control your age, right? You're, gonna, you're not going to control that. You're not going to be like, oops, now I'm not in menopause. Right. <laughs> right? So when we can say like, wait, it's not those things. Uh-huh. So it is something I control. It puts us in a position of power. Right. Right. And now we can say, this is what I'm going to do about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what do we do about it then? Well, one, you work on managing hurdles that are particular to this stage of life. So if we're talking about menopause symptoms, working on those things, like, do you need to get help with sleep? Can you, Mm -hmm. um, do you need to talk to your medical team about possibly um, starting menopause hormone therapy? For some people that's useful, not because it um, stops you from gaining weight, because if you're not sleeping due to hot flashes, 
that right. can impact your hunger, your cravings, all of these things, right? So mm-hmm. if that that could be a possibility, maybe right. working on your sleep on your own, coming up with lifestyle interventions that can help you so that when you're low on energy, you still do things like eat properly and move more. And these could be things like I will do my workout first thing in the morning before my energy starts to decline. They yeah. can be things like when I have a burst of energy, not only will I make dinner for tonight, but I'll prep a little extra for later in the week when I might not have some energy. So mm-hmm. there's lots of things that you can do both alone and with like your medical team to help manage those hurdles that are particular to the stage of life. Right. Another big one is really just ditching those long held beliefs, letting go of the fact that you think it's age and hormones and just yes. that alone can help really put that ball back in your court. And then the big one is managing your calories in and your calories out. It comes back to that. Mm-hmm. It's the same as it was when you were 20 or 30. We've got to manage those calories in and mm-hmm. those calories out. Yeah. So that is another big question I'm sure that you get is, do I have to track calories to yeah, lose that, weight? It is. That is okay. definitely one of the big questions. And mm-hmm. the answer is no, you don't have to track calories. But as you've always heard, calories count. So you don't have to right. count the calories, but the calories always count. Mm-hmm. That said, I do think that it is the one, the most direct way to put someone in a calorie deficit is to have them tracking their calories. There right. are certainly other ways to right. reduce a calorie deficit without directly counting, but I do think it's the most direct way. And yeah. I think it's a fantastic educational tool, just like I was talking about in my own personal story. Right. Having the education about the energy in your food can help you for the rest of your life to make informed right. decisions. Right. So you can look at it if you have some aversion to this idea of tracking often it comes from the fact that you feel like one, you're going to do it the rest of your life. Right. And two, that it has to feel really restrictive. So if you give yourself or have a coach, give yourself enough calories so that you're in a deficit, but it doesn't feel restrictive mm-hmm. Two, you learn how to count calories in a way that doesn't have your whole life revolving around it, even during this short period of time. Right. And three, look at it as this is a tool for mm-hmm. a short period of time. This is a tool I can use and I can pull it out again in a few years. Every so often I can check and see like, are my eyes matching um, what I'm actually eating? Because you yes. have this tool in your toolbox. So yeah. no, you don't have to count calories. But yes, I do think it is a is a good idea for a short period of time. Right, exactly. Yeah, for a short period of time, right? Because it gives you that sense of accountability. And also, as you said, the knowledge of what's going in, how much is going in, yeah. in a more accurate way. But like you said, this is not we're not advocating you have to count calories until the end of time. This yeah. is, and there's, just, and there's really smart ways to count calories. So it doesn't feel like it's overtaking your life. One of the best yeah. tips I give people is try eating bigger, real solid meals three times a day uh-huh. versus nibbling all day. That immediately makes tracking your calories easier because you're doing three discrete times per day right. versus being like, Oh wait, I just had seven chips. I got to go get my phone and track that. Oh, and now I had a bite <laughs> of chicken nugget off my kid's plate. Wait, I got to track that. That does feel laborious, right? Like right. you're constantly trying to figure it out and guess. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, I have this for breakfast, track it. I have this for lunch. Like it's three chunks throughout the day or maybe right. three and one discrete snack. Mm-hmm. That immediately makes it easier to track. Right. And I think, you know, and I think that right there, especially for those of our generation, you know, the meals were tiny, right? In the in the back of the magazine, the meal that was in there was this tiny little thing. Well, of course, what does that lead you to want? More food, right? Because you're not eating enough. Absolutely. Um, it, it's interesting when I show 
just on my Instagram stories or whatever, my meals, especially if I happen to be in a deficit phase and I'm talking about that, people will be like, you're eating all that food. Right. That was 550 calories. Like that's a lot of food. And, and I say like, well, that's because I'm going to do this two more times, maybe have a snack. I'm not going to eat this much food every few hours. (laughs) Right. right? And so people are used to these little mini meals and they're snacking Uh day. But if you sit down and eat 500, 550 calories of food that includes high protein and high fiber, you're going to feel satisfied for hours. I'm talking four or five hours. You're not right. going to need or even want to eat again for that amount, amount of time. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about that because I know another question that you often get is, how do I eat more protein? I know that I should, but how do I do it? It seems like so much. And, you know, I, I, I do believe that many women do struggle in this area because, you know, they, again, we were talking about the mini meals, right? And then the first thing that usually gets cut is the protein. And so then they're missing this protein and they don't understand, well, how can I eat all that? So what, how do you answer that? Well, the, the standard American diet is pretty protein poor, right? We oh, typically that's why it's at, sad, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, we look at protein kind of as like the little add-on. And right. it's really realistically, um, if we're talking about a diet to help with weight loss or maintain body composition, mm-hmm. it should really be protein should be the main focus of the meal with vegetables um, coming in a close second. And right. then, you know, some of your more carbs, fats kind of after that. And those are the add-ons, not the other way around. Um, so kind of refocusing your meal to have protein be the star is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things I would say is start basing your meals around the protein. Ask yourself, all right, for my breakfast, what is going to be my protein? And right. aim to have 30 grams of protein at each of your meals, minimum, right. minimum 25. But if you're doing 25, it makes it hard to hit a good protein target. But I'd say minimum 25, yeah. um, 30 is even better. And if you're like, how do I do that? I would suggest you write down a list of all the foods you enjoy that are high in protein. Google high protein foods, write them down. I will say when you look at these foods, people put peanut butter and nuts on those lists, get them out of there. They are not great sources of protein (laughs) because there is so much fat in peanut butter in nuts. Um, They're more of a fat source with some protein. And so the protein to calorie ratio is off. But things like chicken, pork, beef, yogurt, tofu, tempeh, cottage cheese, mm-hmm. eggs, egg whites, all of these kinds of things, fish, um, right. shrimp, uh, tuna. Scat, <laughs> tuna. Yeah. Make a nice long list of like, right. all right, here's all the foods that I typically eat that, uh, have protein or foods that I know I like that have protein. Mm-hmm. And then when you eat, increase the size of those proteins that you okay. already like. So you don't, you don't need to go around trying to find like protein in every food. You don't need like protein cookies and protein chips. <laughs> you don't need to do that. It's not actually like a really strong strategy, but right. instead look for these high protein foods, increase your portion size. So you're getting four or five ounces instead of two ounces or three ounces right. um, and base each of your meals around that. Yeah. And I, you know, this can be a really um, eye-opening exercise for people to do because, you know, then they can say, well, you know, I really like that. And that is something I'm going to add more to. And I, you know, maybe they didn't even realize, oh, geez, I should be, you know, adding more of this or, or, oh, I, I like that. And I didn't realize it was that high in protein or, you know, whatever. So yeah. it's a very empowering tool to first understand, okay, what is it I like and what properties does it have that are going to help mm-hmm. to, you know, keep me fuller longer? 
Yeah. And that is one of the big benefits of protein. In case anybody's listening, you're like, why is protein so important anyway? Mm-hmm. Well, if we're talking about weight loss, one, uh, it does keep you fuller longer than any of the other macronutrients. It's going to keep you satisfied longer than carbs. It's going to keep you satisfied longer than fat. So that's one big benefit. The other super important point here is that it's going to help spare your muscle while you're in that deficit, right? We yeah. don't want you to be losing muscle when right. you're losing weight. We want you to be losing fat when you're losing weight. Yeah. And eating enough protein is one of the key parts of doing that. And so that's why it's so important to have enough protein. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and when we look at it, as you were mentioning, uh, you know, the standard American diet breakfast, we have about a million breakfast cereals. Now I'm not, you know, bashing cereal. I love cereal. Oh, good. That's like my favorite food. <laughs> well, mine too. You know, I mean, I absolutely love cereal and I would eat it for every meal. However, <laughs> I know that that's not a good idea. So, yeah. you know, starting our day with just this bowl of cereal really is setting us up the rest of the day for just extra cravings and more hunger. Not saying you can't have it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, you look, I, I I grew up eating cereal. I love cereal. I would literally yeah. eat cereal. Uh, all I I can yeah. never get sick of cereal. Yeah, but me neither. So yeah, I, like I, I said, not bashing cereal. <laughs> yeah, look at cereal almost like you would look at like cookies or cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a fun treat. Yeah, it doesn't do a ton for you in terms of filling you up, helping you get your protein in, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things. Doesn't mean you can't eat it. You can eat cookies, you can eat brownies, you can eat cereal. So if you want to, for breakfast, have a bowl of cereal as a part of your breakfast, awesome. Why don't you also have a protein shake on the side? So get 30 grams of protein in your protein shake and have a bowl of cereal. The other thing with cereal is, wow, our portion sizes are off. Like it's... (laughs) to me. Yeah, yeah no, read the box, ever, like, right? Actually, yeah, have you ever actually measured out a serving on the box and like done it? It's, it's a little nothing. sad. It, it's like sad, I, yeah. I want to eat like seven times that. <laughs> and so calories can really get away from you. Yeah. So account for that, like right. decide like what is a satisfying amount for me. The trick there for me and for my clients is putting the amount you're planning on eating in the bowl Right. Putting that box away in the cupboard. So you're not doing the like shake a little more cereal, <laughs> add a little more milk, shake a little more cereal, <laughs> add a little, right? Because all of a sudden now we're like 700 more calories up that or more than we had intended. Oh, yeah. yeah. So including it, but, you know, really managing how much you're having. Right. Right. Or buy smaller bowls. That's what I buy smaller bowls, <laughs> buy the single serve boxes. Like if you really struggle with it, like right. go buy oh, the single serve boxes and be like, this is the amount I'm having. This yeah. is my treat. Yep. Looking for a fitness program that fits into your busy schedule? Look no further than Strong for Life Light. Our brand new program offers whole workouts every month that you can do from the comfort of your own home. No need to worry about missing classes or juggling gym time with family time. Join Strong for Life Light today and get on track to a healthier you. Now back to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. What is, uh, I know this is another question that you get, what's better for weight loss, cardio or weightlifting? And I know that, again, let's go back to our generation, right? No, whoa, whoa. we are filled with cardio queens in our generation, right? I feel like the tide hopefully is starting to, to change. I think it is, There's yeah. a lot of us out there for years now preaching the benefits of strength training. And so I yeah. feel like a lot of women are starting to pick up on, even if they're not doing it yet, 
they're getting the idea that it's useful for them. They're like, all right, right, like people keep saying I should do this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Here's the reality though. When it comes to weight loss, the very best exercise is going to be getting a handle on your nutrition. And I cannot yep. emphasize enough how much more important your nutrition is than your exercise for weight loss. Yeah. Especially if you are limited on time, if you are spending most of your effort trying to lose weight on exercise, your focus is off. So yep. let's dial back some of that time and energy and put more of that focus on your nutrition in terms of planning out your food and prepping your food, chopping mm -hmm. some vegetables, getting some protein ready, pre-logging your food, really spend extra time on that. Once you get that dialed in and you're like, okay, I feel like I'm in a good place for that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Exercise is important. And remember, like we have to think about in terms of our long-term health, our longevity, both cardio and lifting weights are important to that. Right. Um, in terms of fat loss specifically, here's the order of priority that I will give you for exercise. So as I said, nutrition is going to trump anything else I say. Yeah. But in combination with that, um, the next one is actually exercise that's not exercise. There's something called non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Mm -hmm. That's a very obnoxious term. The acronym we use is NEAT. Mm -hmm. This is all of the activity you do that's not specific exercise. So we're not right. talking about going to the gym to lift weights or get on the treadmill or any of those things. We're talking about how you move throughout your daily life. And if you think about it, you're moving throughout your daily life way more than you are doing dedicated cardio or strength training, right? right. How many more hours are you spending just like living a right. lot? And so right. that means this is a great opportunity for you to really optimize how much of that time you are moving versus mm -hmm. just sitting. Right. So this right. would be things like taking your phone calls while walking around the room. Like, so you're pacing around the room. When you put something in the microwave, instead of sitting at the counter, waiting for two minutes, you pace around doing that. Um, you know, the, uh, the stereotypical kind of comment of park further away from the entrance to the grocery store. And I would add it on things like when you get to the grocery store, walk around the building twice before you start the shopping, like doing these things to add up how much you are just moving throughout your daily life. This can have right. a huge impact right. on the calories out portion right. of the calories in calories out equation. Mm -hmm. A good way to kind of track all of this is through the measure of steps. Yeah. You know, neat is not just steps, but it's a great way for you to quantify like how much am I moving now right. and how much can I um, increase that? Mm -hmm. A really good sweet spot for weight loss I find is between 8,000 and 12,000 steps per day. Yeah. Um, and I like this because it's impactful right? It really helps with that calories out that bottom line. And right. it's not lifestyle prohibitive. If we get much more than 12,000 steps a day, depending on like what your career is, for some people, they're like, I get 15,000 because I work on a farm. But if right. you're like a job kind of person, like hitting 12K can be doable. Right. Um, somewhere yeah. in that eight to 12,000 steps. Right. So that would be right. my top priority yeah. for you. And I think, yeah. you know, that study you mentioned, I think that was one of the parameters that was mentioned within the study was it's not that the metabolism is slowing, it's that the people are not moving as much as they get to a certain age, because, you know, when you're younger, you're chasing the kids around, right? And, yeah, as, and that's a really big thing. We don't realize how sedentary we are right. until we start paying attention to it. I remember right. um, when I first, so I started in the fitness industry, um, training people in person. Yeah. And that's a very physical job, right? right. So like I'm on my feet the whole time, I'm moving people's weights around, I'm walking around. Yeah. And when I made the switch from training in person to training online, it all of a sudden occurred to me, I was like, I, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is sitting at this desk because right. I was 
writing programs on my computer. I was making content. I was just sitting. So I started tracking my steps. This is a good bunch of years back now. And I was getting like 3000 steps a day. And I'm like, how am I getting 3000 steps a day? Like I'm a professional, right? Right. And it wasn't until I became intentional. Now it's easy for me, like without thinking that I can, you know, bust out eight, nine, 10 steps a day. Right. Um, But getting intentional about that. And a lot of us do have office type jobs, right? Mm -hmm. That involve our computer um, and our butt on a chair. And so Mm -hmm. looking intentionally on how can we up that is huge. Right. That's my first move for you as far as like, where do I put my priority after my nutrition is just moving more throughout your daily life, looking to get eight to 12,000 steps. Mm -hmm. After that, the next place I'd have you put your focus is on strength training, on resistance training. This is important. It works in tandem with that protein piece I was talking about to spare your muscle in a deficit. Mm -hmm. Our muscle is so important to our overall health, to our longevity, to your physique as far as how you look aesthetically. If you want to look like a fit person, you don't want to be losing that muscle. And if you want to age well so that you can be independent as you age, you don't want to lose that muscle. Right. And you need those two things. We need to build muscle through strength training and we need to eat enough protein. So resistance training, minimum two times a week. I really like minimum three times per week better. So somewhere three, four times per week. um, That's where I would next have you place your focus. Right. And then if you're like, great, I got both of those dialed in sure thing, add some cardio. It's, it's, it can be helpful for fat loss. It can help, you know, just with that overall calorie burn. Right. But even more than that, it's just super important for our heart health, for our general longevity. You know, the guidelines call for 150 minutes of moderate intensity, um, aerobic activity. And so hitting that would be my next place to put your emphasis. But for a lot of people, they have this flipped on their head. And the first thing they think to do when they want to lose weight is cardio. They're right. not looking at their nutrition. They're not thinking about moving more generally. They're right. like, but I, I went to the gym and, you know, I did four times a week on the arc trainer or the right. bike or the treadmill. That's uh-huh. four hours in a week. And that feels like a lot of effort. And it was, you were tired, but then you're not moving the rest of the time, right? You're just right. sitting on, on uh, your chair in front of your desk all day. You're watching TV at night. You're not paying attention to your nutrition. You're not strength training. Is it any wonder you're not seeing the results you want? So don't right. flip that on its head. Really put it in that pecking order I just gave you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I think it goes back to, you know, that, will I sweat for an hour, right? On the, yeah. on the elliptical. And so then the problem often comes is they look at that and they see, well, I burned 600 calories. The machine told me I burned 600 yeah. calories, right? Yeah. And then they, oh, so I should be able to eat this, this, and this. And it, yeah. it just creates a really, it's highly problematic for Poor relationship with one. Yeah. What most people don't realize is those machines it has been shown with research time and time again, whether we're talking about your smartwatch or the machines at the gym, they are way overestimating how many calories you're burning. Right. I cannot encourage you enough to totally ignore those numbers. Right. They are way off, like mm-hmm. 50% off. So just ignore them. Yeah. The other thing with that is ha- making that connection between when I'm exercising, this is how many calories I'm burning. Even if it is correct, it does exactly what you said. It really connects our exercise to our food. Um, and this can set up a really poor relationship with exercise, wherein yep. we feel like we need to pre-earn our right. cupcake, right? right? Or I just ate the cupcakes, now I got to go burn it off. So we're uh-huh. really highly connecting those two. And it can really give us a bad uh, taste in our mouth for exercise. It's like a, it's a punishment tool. We have right. to earn our food and that right. is not a connection we want to make. Right. 
Right. So I would urge you all to just don't even look at calories burned. They're not right anyway. Right. They're not setting you up for success with your relationship right. with exercise. Right. Right. Yeah. We'd rather have a relationship with exercise that it's bringing something good to your life. Yeah. Not, like this is know. helping my heart. This is helping me right. feel good. This is helping me have energy. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things versus, mm-hmm. you know, I need to do this to eat a cookie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is also something that, again, is part of our generation though, right? That, Absolutely. That type of thinking. Until just a few years ago, it was really popular, those charts and like enough oh, of us God. made content around this so that I don't, I don't know that people still do this, but mm-hmm. magazines would put out, websites put out these articles of like, how many minutes on this equipment to earn oh. this amount of Halloween candy? Right? I was just going to say, the Halloween is the one that gets me. In, oh, and they would do this, as, this was like normal. Like, yeah. I would read this stuff and I'd be like, great, yeah. what do I need to do back <laughs> in the day, right? Um, can I, can I eat a Reese cup now, right? I got to go another lap around the block, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, I've certainly put out a ton of content around not doing that. And uh, so many fitness professionals have. So I I think people are starting to realize like, okay, yeah, I should, I should ignore that nonsense. Right. Right. Uh, How about one more, Kim? How about uh, how can I lose belly fat? Yes, this is, I hear this on the daily. (laughs) Women. On the hourly, right? (laughs) They want to know about. And I want to go back to what I was saying earlier about how um, there is this shift as we go in through the menopause transition. Um, there's a shift in where we store our excess body fat. It tends to go to yeah. our belly, right? To our midsection. Yeah. But a couple of things to pay attention to. Notice I'm saying excess fat. So we're not, our menopause transition is not causing you to have that fat. You can lose that fat the same way you lose fat anywhere else on your body. This yeah. fat is not lost in some special protocol. So anyone telling you they have like a special <laughs> Belly Special fat. exercise. Right. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about because you literally cannot exercise it away. There is no ab exercise you're going to do <laughs> to get that belly fat to move. I'm not saying that ab exercises aren't um, pertinent right. in any way. Just like every other muscle in your body, it's important to have a strong core. I do ab exercises. I program ab exercises, but they cannot target your belly fat. If you see an exercise that's like pointing an arrow to like this part of your belly or the side part of your belly and saying, here's an exercise for for this piece of fat, run, like you might do that exercise and you might get stronger abs. And over time, as you lose fat, you may be able to reveal abs that you built (laughs) because it's muscle, but it's not going to take away that fat. We lose that fat by being in a sustained calorie deficit. Yeah. It might be that you lose that last. I find that all the time. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we tend to lose weight more in our faces first. Yeah. The boobs go, ladies. That's where <laughs> it takes the face fat, which we're all usually fine with. Sometimes it can make people, they're like, oh, I'm feeling a little drawn up here. The boobs go, the belly might be the last to go. But it's important for you to know that there's not a special belly fat. There's not any kind of concoction you can drink. People will be like, it's the cayenne pepper or lemon juice. It's nothing like that. And <laughs> um, you want to eat in a sustained calorie deficit. Yeah. As you lose body fat, you will not be able to spot reduce anywhere, but your body will over time, you can right. lose that fat. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is it's important to have realistic expectations for what our midsections can look like and what we want to do to have them look that way. Yeah. Having a super flat belly, having a six pack, that is very different in terms of lifestyle versus just being a little flatter there. Mm-hmm. It can be really lifestyle prohibitive to have perfectly flat abs. If you want to go out with friends and have some drinks, if you want to eat snacks throughout the week, like, you know, some treats throughout the week, 
you may or may not be able to do that and have a perfectly flat stomach. Right. A lot of it's genetic. Some people uh, have a flat stomach or a six pack at a higher body fat percentage than Mm -hmm. other people. Right. It's also going to depend on your torso size. Like some people with a longo tor- longer torso, it doesn't look as much when they're holding weight in their bellies. Other people have a really short torso and a little bit of extra weight looks like a lot. So you have to mm-hmm. remember genetics plays a factor and you have to think about how um, restrictive or not you want to be with your diet. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can lose some belly fat. There's zero reason you can't. You lose it the same way as any other uh, spot on your body, but right. really think about what you want your goal to be. Do mm-hmm. you want to get to a low enough body fat percentage and make the trade-offs you would need to make to get even lower to have a super flat stomach or show a six pack? Do you really want to do what that requires? And you have to sit with the question yourself and ask yes. yourself and be willing to answer honestly. Yeah. The problem comes when you want that, but you don't really want to do the work. And then right. you have this kind of like ambivalence and like, ah, and you start feeling bad, but yeah. getting really clear on like, okay, I'm okay with this level of effort. What can I get for that? Mm-hmm. And then I'm just make my, I'm going to be okay with that. Right. Quickly. I just want to talk a little bit about your program, a fitter after 40. Can you just explain, you know, just a quickly what your program is, what it offers, yeah. what you do there? So I took all of the things that I successfully did with my one-on-one clients back when I used to do one-on-one training, and yeah. I put them into a group coaching program. Okay. Um, I made eight modules that tackled the first module. We talk about fat loss and nutrition, mm-hmm. and I set you up exactly on how much to eat and how to and what types of food to eat. We talk about protein. We talk about calories. By the end of the first module, you know exactly what your nutrition should look like. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about exercise in the next module, and I tell you exactly here's what we should do. I give you a six week training program. So it's very clear mm-hmm. both with the nutrition and the exercise, there will be no ambiguity. You'll know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And then the next modules help with all of those menopause hurdles. I talked about, like we tackle sleep, we tackle stress eating, we tackle your habits. We tackle, uh, I'm so busy. What do I do when I'm yeah. so busy? How do I get myself on my own priority list? So we tackle each of these hurdles to mm-hmm. support being able to follow the nutrition and exercise program. Yeah. So those are the modules. And then you have a lot of time with me personally. Once a week, we get on a Zoom call as a group. We have a group Facebook because it's not just like, here's the program. It's you and I working together. So I have my eyes on your nutrition program. I have my eyes on how you're exercising. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time working together mm-hmm. to help you actually dial these habits in. So once you have the education piece, like I know what to do. Okay. Now, how do I actually do it? And I'm struggling. I help coach you through those those hurdles. So it's eight weeks long. We spend a lot of time together um, and you can have a lot of success losing weight. Yeah. And it's nice that it is very guided program. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Very hands-on by me. Good. Is there anything else, Kim, that you think we should uh, share with the audience that we missed? Oh gosh. Um, no, I feel like we talked about a lot. I will say this. Don't let the amount of things we talked about overwhelm you. Right. As I said back at the beginning, weight loss can be hard to do in practice, but it's super simple to understand. Right. Don't get caught up in all the noise of like what you must do to lose weight. Really eat an amount, appropriate amount of calories, hit a good amount of protein, move your body strength train. Those are the four things. Like it literally comes down to that. Right. And, you know, I, I want to go back to the appropriate amount of calories because I feel like that's another thing that our generation might struggle with is mm. eating too less. Yeah. And realistically speaking, 
a lot of women think that they're eating 1200 calories because they think that's the magic number. We've all, oh, yes. that. by uh, like, whether it's by your doctor or the magazine, everybody thinks it's 1200 calories. Yeah. It's, the, uh, I can't even tell you how little I think that that number is appropriate. Almost never. Is that never, never. never. Almost <laughs> never. Like, I'm not right? going to say never, but pretty much never. You're, if you're listening to this, it's probably not you that that number is appropriate. For. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but on the flip side of that, eating too few calories does not stop fat loss. That is right. that is a myth that's out there. Right. What, what, what is happening when people feel that they're experiencing that is in their mind and on paper, they're eating 1200 calories. Yeah. But shoot, but I, guys, I've eaten that much. It's very little food and it's hard to stick oh. with. So what happens over the course of a week is maybe some days you're eating 1200 calories, but you can't do that sustainably. So other days you're eating 2300 calories because, you know, you had some drinks, you went out one night, you like were in the kitchen at 1130 at night, having an extra bowl of cereal because you didn't eat all day. Right? right. And so even though you're shooting for 1200 and sometimes you're hitting it over the course of a week, you're actually over your, your deficit numbers. Yeah. So what works is we set you a moderate deficit. It's not 1200, maybe it's 1600 or 1700. I know those numbers can sound scary, ladies. I promise you can lose weight on that. So we set the number up higher yeah. and a woman is able to actually consistently hit it because right. you can include things like cereal and cookies in that. And then with that level of consistency, she actually sees results. Right, right. And if there's no cereal, I'm out. <laughs> and if there's no cereal, I'm out too. <laughs> so there. So there. <laughs> can where can, because I think that all ladies should be following you, where can they find you? So you can find me um, under my name pretty much everywhere. Let me spell my last name. My last name is Schlag. So Kim Schlag, S-C-H-L-A-G. Kim Schlag Fitness. You can find me on my website, kimschlagfitness.com. Instagram, kimschlagfitness.com. Threads, Twitter, all the places, <laughs> kimschlagfitness.com. I also have a, a podcast. Um, isn't you know, Can I tell you something? I always have a mental block when I go to tell people the name of my <laughs> podcast. I legitimately forget it every time. I've had a podcast for like four years. And right now, unless I stop for a minute, I'm like, what's the name of my podcast? Fitness Simplified. It's my brain fog. It's like this yeah. mental yeah, my no. podcast is called the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I I upload every single week. I just don't know the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Kim. We appreciate your time today. And thank you for sharing all that you did. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to the Fit News Podcast. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and I'm on a continuing mission to help you stay strong, healthy, and happy. A special thank you to our producer, Noah Martin, and Retrospection Multimedia. Tune in to the Fit News Podcast every Monday to get your tips for living your best midlife. These episodes are live-streamed weekly in our Facebook group. Be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to Fit News Podcast for your weekly health advice. To join the Facebook group, visit strongforlifefitness.com.